This is an excerpt from Different Ways, Revealing the Feminine by Seal, published 2020. Chapter 15, A Crack in the Glass, Part 1. I can't do it, I said to my husband. I stared down at my hands. My heart was racing. He was driving me in his pickup to drop me off at my house. I was terrified of what might happen to the children if they stayed with me, and I needed to remain calm to get him to understand how serious it was without giving any details. Details would call me out. He was not the kind of press, even though his anger with me over my leaving the boys with him was palpable. He pulled over. How in the hell am I supposed to work and take care of two kids? He glared at me. Stealing myself, I looked out the window. I don't know. I just know I can't do it. I grabbed the door latch to open the door and got out of the cab of the truck. I looked at him and I set my jaw. That is when I said, put them up for adoption if you have to. I don't care. I just can't do it. He went pale at this and his face fell in disbelief. The words I spoke made the air around me suspend and shudder with a bitter cold slap. My throat tightened as the shock and the shame of my own words framed me, then cracked. If it is summer in Portland, Oregon, a person can live in their car. The trick was to find a parking spot by a place with public bathroom access. It is 1977, and there is no homeless problem in the Pacific Northwest yet. The word homeless was still reserved for stray cats and dogs. No one looked for a homeless person sleeping in a car. The homeless, for the most part, did not have personal transportation. Most of the down and out were hanging under the shelter of the Burnside Bridge and in Skidmore lots. I spent my time living on the street trying to case out every bar and music venue I could find in the downtown core area. There were warm summer nights in bars dancing to local talent and my plotting my escape from my life as a wife and mother. I would park outside of Saks and make my way around to all my favorite places. The long goodbye, the last hurrah, and over the bridge to Euphoria. When the music played, that was when, as I danced, that I felt a hope for survival. I could forget and be released from time in any construct that I designed to grind me down. As long as there was music, I was okay. This is what I haunted the streets of Portland for music to dance to. Real life loomed large, brooding, and dark. Real life was my summer ending and me being newly enrolled in the fall semester at Portland State University. I had no idea what awaited me there, but I wasn't looking forward to it. I heard all over from the rugged and laborious spiritual fisticuffs I had been involved in with the highs in the spring and the depths of the summer. All of these sudden changes in my life had really roughed me up. There was so much I couldn't think about. My safety, my kids, 
The only thing that held me together was music then. That was my medicine, my refuge, and my dope. Summer street festivals were a real cause to rejoice as relief from the rugged lives of street living peoples. Suddenly, exotic food odors and music filled the air after dark. People mingled. I found a couple of nice guys around my age to take me in that summer, relieving me from my life as a gutter snipe. From this place, I was able to try and reorient myself. Here, I had to gain some understanding about trust and the laws of give and take with friends. They were nice guys, boys, really, and they treated me kindly. I'm sure I lied to them about everything. They helped me anyway, especially through the part where I had to tell my mother about my no longer having the children. That was a surreal and deeply unpleasant experience for everyone concerned. They held my hand through it. They bought me a ticket to the Yes concert for my birthday. They plotted and schemed and making a beautiful necklace surprise for me. I recall being in a panic that there was a conspiracy to harm me in some way because they were acting so secretive. When I did realize what they were up to, I was so ashamed of myself, I was speechless. I would leave them too. I left the nice guys for a conga player who took a fancy to my dancing alone to his drumming. A decidedly older conga player. I preferred older men as a rule. I was not one to question my motivations at this time of my life when it came to understanding what I was attracted to and why. If I had realized the depth of my daddy issues, I would have probably jumped off the Hawthorne Bridge. It turned out he had an aversion to mouthy women and he was insanely jealous. After I spent four hours locked in a room in his house as punishment for leaving the house to go get a cup of coffee while he was at work, I left without a word when he unlocked my door. We were done. I rarely felt safe enough to get really angry, but that stunt pushed me well past Teary and into a stony rage. It was the first time in my life where I let my anger carry me forward instead of doing myself harm in some way. I got a job I would work while at university. I worked a graveyard in an all-night sweatshop that sewed curtains for pennies. Working there was one of the most horrific job placements I have ever had, and I've had more than a few. The workers were all women who would be curled over sewing machines all night, many of them young with babies sleeping at home. There were others who did not talk to me. God knows what kind of horrors outlined their lives. Many of the girls would fall asleep at their sewing machines or while cutting fabric. The foreman would prod the exhausted nappers, get back to work, while an insane loop of carpenter's music blared from speakers overhead at 200 decibels to keep workers awake. To this day, my stomach seizes at the opening chords of calling occupants of interplanetary craft. I would take my breaks at the Winchells next door where the junkies and the whores would while away the remains of the night. I would spend my 10-minute break smoking and trying to focus on what I thought I was doing. 
I wasn't sure if I was trying to escape or if I was headed home. I forgot to figure in when I was supposed to sleep, if I worked all night and I went to school in the day. I was a mess. Later, when I began falling behind in my classes and other events conspired to propel me forward, I left the job, school, and my new junkie acquaintances at the Winchell Donut Shop. On to Plan B. Thank you for listening.